0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode.
1: The Bible's very clear about human nature and that we've just read that in our opening reading that we're all under sin, that In other words, to put it more bluntly, the Bible makes it very clear that all men and women are sinners. Um, And and we've got plenty of examples in the Bible about that. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, no one is good but one, and that is God. So he's saying no no human beings are good. Um, He says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, if you then being evil, if you when you're evil know how to give good gifts how much more will the heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him um in matthew 15 he says out of the heart and this is the heart that is singular to all mankind or humankind out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders adulteries and he goes on to list all of the terrible things which come from the hearts of people um the the thoughts uh, that are rising from there and then Back in Genesis, um, we read at the time of Noah that God saw that every intent of the thoughts of mankind's heart or humankind's heart was only evil continual, continually. And again, once again, this is the heart that is common to all people. Um, and uh, John, in his first letter, says in the first chapter, if we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not sinners. So the Bible's very clear that we're all sinners, uh, and the Bible is also very clear that because we sin, we are mortal, we die. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. So I, I work for a company, I do all sorts of, uh, you know, I do my work every, every day, um or every working day, and then they will pay me my wages. And what Paul is basically saying is that we work and our works are sinful, and so we earn death. That's the wages of our sins. Now, the, that's not a very positive start, is it? But the Bible is very clear that there was one man who was not like the rest of us, and that man was the Lord Jesus, and it's clear that he was different from every person that has ever lived. And um, Perhaps you can open your Bibles Um, if you would, to John chapter 8, because um, Jesus had a conversation with the scribes and the Pharisees in the temple, um, and he says something which is really quite remarkable. He says in John chapter 8 and verse 46, he says, Which of you convicts me of sin? which of you and he was talking to the describes the, the Pharisees the chief priests in the temple now these were men who knew um, all about the old testament law we've read some quotes from the old testament law um this afternoon and they knew all about those laws in the bible they knew what a sin was and what was not a sin but they could not say that jesus had sinned which of you can convict me of sin says the lord jesus now then which of us could say the same as Jesus could ask the same question um now if I was to ask uh, uh, you you guys which of you convicts me of sin this could um, raise up her hand and say well you know when you did such and such <laughs> or this morning when you did such and such um and and of course you know it's very obvious that myself, I could condemn myself, but my parents would know what I was like as a young man growing up or as a child growing up. And and none of us can say, no, which of you uh, convicts me of sin? We could certainly not say the same. Now, of course, the people around us, they know that we've done wrong, but that was not the case with the Lord Jesus. He was different. Let's turn to John chapter one. When John the Baptist first saw the Lord Jesus coming towards him, he says in verse, um, in verse 29, he said, "John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." And, he, and it's repeated in verse 36. And, be, and looking at Jesus as he walked, John said, "Behold!" the lamb of god now when this phrase the lamb of god is used it always means a perfect sacrifice um john said that jesus was going to be a perfect sacrifice that would take away the world's sin and that he to to do that would not would be therefore would not do a sin because he's the lamb of god now you might say well john was um was supposed to say this um you know, he was Jesus' relative, after all, his, his mother and John's mother and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were, were cousins. However, John was clearly a very good man. He was an honest and straightforward, quite, quite, a, quite a blunt man. And anyone that came to John the Baptist in the wilderness, he told them to repent. But he never asked Jesus to repent. In, in Matthew's gospel, um, it's recorded that when Jesus came to John to be baptised, he said, I need to be baptised by you. And are you coming to me to be baptised? Um, and Jesus said, yes, I'm coming to you to be baptised. And he said, suffer it to be so now, for it is becoming that we might do this to, to, uh, to fulfil all righteousness. So we're going to find out what that meant, what Jesus meant about that so a little bit like later on. But clearly, John the Baptist thought that Jesus was sinless. He was the Lamb of God that was going to take away the sins of the world. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, they couldn't convict Jesus of sin. Um, and we also know that they couldn't convict him of sin um, because when it came to Jesus' trial, they actually had to um, hire false witnesses. Perhaps you would like to turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at a, a few references in the uh, regarding the trial of the Lord Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 26, we have this comparison between the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and those people putting Jesus on trial, and what it says in the law of Moses. Just have a look at verse 59. Jesus was in front of the Sanhedrin, they had arrested him, and it says, now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Well, what, if, if he was worthy of death, why didn't they get true, true witnesses to, to uh, witness against Jesus? No, so they had to seek false testimony, and, um, but that's a clearly a sin, according to the law, because in Exodus chapter 23, we have all of these three, all of these four statements, do not spread false reports, and they were asking for false witnesses, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong, and they were all following each other in doing wrong, trying to put Jesus to death, have nothing to do with a false charge, well they, here they were trumping up false charges against Jesus, Um, do not put an innocent or honest person to death, of course, we'll find out that that's precisely what they did. So you have the opposite, the total contrast of Jesus who could say who convicts me of sin and those Jews, those uh, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests um, and the council who were clearly sinful in in condemning the Lord Jesus. Now as well as the fact that um, Jesus said about, testified about himself, and John the Baptist testified about him. There were six independent witnesses that said that Jesus was um, innocent, Um, and all of them played a part during Jesus' trial and crucifixion, none of whom uh, were forced to say what they actually said. There was one woman and five men, and so what we're going to do is very briefly look at through them um, in turn, look at the events of the trial of G- and crucifixion of Jesus, and look at what they said about him. So we're here in in Matthew chapter uh, twenty six, and let's just go into actually to chapter. Oh, well, they all said that Jesus was innocent. Let's go to chapter twenty seven and verse four. Just as a connection, verse three of Matthew twenty seven. This is when Jesus had been condemned then Judas his betrayer seeing that he had been Jesus had been condemned was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying I have sinned by betraying innocent blood and they said what is that to us you see to it so Judas Iscariot Was so ashamed of what he had done in betraying Jesus that he went and hanged himself. Verse five. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, some might say, well, Judas would say that Jesus was um, innocent. After all, wasn't he uh, one of the disciples? Well, of course, it was Judas who betrayed him. And it was Judas who was prophesied about in the Psalms as being a thoroughly Bad man. And it seems that even Judas himself realized that he'd done something very bad in betraying Jesus, who he said was innocent blood. He'd done nothing wrong. The next person in the trial of Jesus is is Pontius Pilate's wife. Now, in the same chapter in verse 19, as Jesus was in front of Pilate the Roman governor it says in verse 19 while Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat Jesus in front of him his wife sent to him saying have nothing to do with that just man for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him so she said have nothing to do with that innocent man in the new international version it translates this as the innocent man and the word just in the bible is often translated righteous and we're going to see um, some instances of that later on and it means right in god's eyes and so she was telling pilate her husband don't judge him he's an innocent man so that's the first or second of the independent witnesses this man's innocent don't do it. Um, and the next person is Pilate himself. It, it wasn't so easy for him not to judge Jesus. He had the leaders of the Jews all clamoring to have Jesus killed. And looking at the Bible accounts, it seems that Pilate tried every way that he could to get Jesus released. And if you piece the records together, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man at least three times during Jesus's trial. Just have a look at verse 24. When Pilate saw that he couldn't prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. So once again, Pilate used this word just. It means righteous, right in God's eyes. Pilate clearly thought that Jesus was innocent and had done nothing worthy of the death sentence. Now, if we turn to Luke's account of the trials of Jesus in Luke chapter 23, we find that there's another um, independent witness to the innocence of the Lord Jesus, and that man is Herod Antipas. Now, we find in Luke's account that um, Pilate found out that Jesus was a Galilean. I thought, ah, I might be able to get rid of my problem by um, offloading it onto Herod. So look at verse 6 of uh, Luke chapter 23. When Pilate heard that Jesus was from Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean, and as soon as he knew that Jesus belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. And then he questioned him with many words, but Jesus answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. So, when Jesus returned to Pilate, look what Pilate said in verse 14. He said to the chief priest, to the, to the chief priest, the rulers and the people, you've brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man. Concerning those things of which you accuse him. So I found no fault. No, neither did Herod for i sent you back to, for he i sent you back to him and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him so nothing deserving of death has been done by this man on trial jesus is completely innocent both pilate said that and herod said that nevertheless jesus was taken ultimately and led away to be crucified he was condemned Let's just have a look at verse 32 of Luke 23. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So such was the nature of the Lord Jesus, that even as they were knocking nails into his hands and feet, he was praying to God that those crucifying him would be forgiven. What about those two criminals? Look at verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying if you are the christ save yourself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying do you not even fear god seeing you are under the same condemnation and and indeed we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to jesus lord remember me when you come into your kingdom. So this criminal who's been crucified alongside the Jesus also witnessed that Jesus had done nothing wrong. He and his fellow criminal, you know, he said, we deserve what we're getting, but this man doesn't. He's done nothing wrong. And he realized that Jesus was his Lord. He says that, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he realized that Jesus was his Lord, he was the Messiah, and even though he was being crucified, Jesus would return and would rule over a kingdom. So he had some very um, good understanding of the role of the Lord Jesus and the fact that Jesus was a sinless man. The final witness to the innocence of the Lord Jesus was the centurion, the Roman centurion who was in charge of the execution of Jesus. Just have a look at verse 44. Now it's about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And that word righteous is exactly the same word as the word just that um, Pontius Pilate had used and Pontius Pilate's wife had used. Uh, And it must have been that the circumstances Uh, of the crucifixion of the lord jesus were so different from any other of the other crucifixions that he'd seen that this roman centurion this hardened roman centurion who was in charge of executions said surely this was a righteous man and notice what it says he glorified god There's something so different about the Lord Jesus his demeanor the fact that there was darkness over the land for uh, three whole hours uh, during his crucifixion and that this Roman centurion realized that here was the son of God it says um, in another gospel account but certainly here he says this was a righteous man so here's a summary of the witnesses all of them said that Jesus did not deserve to die Um, He was innocent. Well, so what? What if Jesus was sinless and innocent? Why is it so important? Well, perhaps you'd like to turn back to our introductory reading uh, in Romans chapter three. The Apostle Paul here is actually saying, you know, all everybody is sinful, they're, they're sinners, both the Jews and the non-Jews, the Gentiles, that they're all under the law, and they're all sinners. But look at verse 21. We stopped in verse 20, but let's look at verse 21, and he says this. He says, now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God... Through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he's saying that God's righteousness can be given to all who have faith, all that believe. But first of all, you have to believe that you are a sinner and that you need God's forgiveness, and that you also have to have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. Verse 24 All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God so Jesus, God set forth as a propitiation by his blood that's a a sacrifice of atonement by Jesus' blood through faith to demonstrate God's righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins. That were previously committed to to demonstrate at the present time God's righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, in other words, God says to those people who have faith in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus and have associated themselves with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus by baptism. He says, because of your faith, because you know that you're a sinner and you believe that I can forgive you, I'm going to impute to you my righteousness. I'm going to forgive your sins. And this is all because of this sinless sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. That's why it's so important. Perhaps you'd like to turn uh, to our uh, the Paul's first letter to Peter. We looked at that this uh, very briefly this morning. I just want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, to begin with. Remember what Paul said that we have received redemption through his blood that the Lord Jesus was this sacrifice of atonement a propitiation and that we were rede- redeemed a price was paid for us look at verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 1 knowing that you were not redeemed from with sorry you knowing that you were not redeemed With corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope. Are in God so that we who have believed in the Lord Jesus were redeemed by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus. He was a lamb without blemish and without spot. In other words, a sinless sacrifice. And because we've associated ourselves with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus through a symbolic death and resurrection. By baptism, you go under the water and you die to the old way of life and you are raised up to a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what it says then, if we go on to 1 Peter chapter 2, because we have been redeemed. He says in verse 21, and we looked at this this morning, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin or was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins, that's through that symbolic death and resurrection in baptism, might live for righteousness. And it was by Whose stripes by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, those those wounds um, that Jesus bore, that you were healed. So we now, having died to sin through baptism, we're going to live to righteousness through faith in the Lord Jesus. And through his perfect sacrifice, our sins have been forgiven and taken away. And because of that, of course. We have to try and follow his example, as we said this morning. We've got to try and follow him and remember him in our daily lives. So this is the summary of my talk this afternoon. We're all sinners, says the Bible, and because of that, we all deserve to die and we're all going to die. But there's one man who is different, and that was the Lord Jesus himself and that there were six independent witnesses at his trial and crucifixion. It all said that he was an innocent man, not worthy of death, and that he died, as John the Baptist said, as a lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He was a perfect sacrifice, and through faith and baptism our sins are taken away, our faith in that sacrifice and our association with it. And now, By God's grace, we need to try and follow his example and be like him.